Hello, everybody, and welcome to What's New, the new podcast from the Pem Press and Radio Snoo, telling you all about what's new on campus. My name is Nick Klotz. I'm editor-in-chief of the Pem Press, and I'm joined by my three lovely guests. Hi, my name is Joe. I'm the president of Radio Snoo, Joe Lichidell. Hi, I'm Samantha. I'm a staff writer at Pem Press, and I'm also uh, the marketing manager. Hi, I'm Stefan. I'm a staff writer for the Pem Press. So, rolling into a new semester, we've got not only this new podcast, but everybody makes some goals. Everybody wants to improve from last semester. Joe, what's one thing yeah. you want to do better this semester? Well, you see, uh, I just got some new Smash Bros, and I've, I've never owned a Nintendo console. I mean, that's a lie I have, but I've never played it this religiously. I bought a Switch the other a few weeks ago. And, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. I love it. And uh, that's all I've been playing on, so I haven't touched my PS4 in a while. Uh, I want to get better at Smash Bros. I want to enter that tournament that's happening uh, this Thursday. Is that right? Yeah. This Thursday? Yes. yes. And uh, I want to win that controller. That's probably not going to happen because a lot, there's a lot of really good people there. But, you know, we're going to try. Yeah. And, Joe, who's your main? My main is Cloud. I've never played Final Fantasy, but I saw my friend using him. I was like, wow, he has a sword. He can charge up his blue thing. And, yeah, that's blue that's thing. who I use. <laughs> Yeah, his sword has a blue thing if you, like, hold down B. Blue thing. Yeah, it's a blue thing. <laughs> All right, Sam, what's your goal? Who's your main? My goal? Um, in Smash Bros? What's, no, what's your goal with the semester? And then who's your main in Smash Bros? Okay, okay, I do play Smash Bros. I was like, it's not one of my goals, but yeah. So one of my goals this semester is being able, because I want to come to, because I'm a career, I want to be able to come to SNHU at 10, 11 in the morning and being able to find a parking spot <laughs> either in Belknap or in the, uh, like, on the other parking lot. So I want to, I have to wake up early for that, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I want to be able to do that. And my main in Smash Bros, I will have to say is Kirby. Oh, if I could add something, another goal for my for this semester I have personally is to add a stop sign uh, by, um, I don't know where to describe, by the old, old apartments that no one lives in anymore. Over by Kingston, over right? Over by Kingston. You're going from Newcastle and then you're making your way over to Kingston. Yeah. No. That four-way intersection. That four, oh my God. That place, it's horrible. It's a deadly. One day, one day I was coming out of it, or I wasn't coming out of it, I was going into it and this lady in a Subaru wasn't paying attention. She was doing whatever and she almost smashed right into me head on i was like oh, oh wow yeah so i want to stop sign over there talk to matt about that actually at sga so hopefully we can get that in there so someone doesn't get hurt yeah now is the driver really the problem or is that some subaru envy that i'm smelling joe no i love subaru i want to get a subaru <laughs> i want to get wrx hopefully this doesn't turn into a car podcast because i could talk about cars for three no, hours straight no, no, yeah we don't want that <laughs> no, um, no, um, let's, let, let's move on uh, yes please <laughs> Stefan, what's your goal who's your main sure. <laughs> So one goal I have for the semester is to uh, use my power as a staff writer and uh, bring attention to, you know, a problem we have here on campus. And that problem is our mascot, Petey our, the Penman. My Petey? <laughs> uh, what's wrong with Petey? I love Petey. Petey Petey's kind of weird. Petey, I don't think, um, is really a right fit for the school anymore. Tell me, Stefan, who do you think would be better than a Penman? What even is a Penman? I, I think that you could take any, you know, ferocious animal, make it blue and gold, and you are already better than Petey the Penman in my book. 
And I just want to bring awareness uh, around the entire school. You know, I think we can make Logan the Penguin the new mascot. <laughs> he he hasn't been he hasn't seen any light in a while. Logan the Penguin, the Radius new mascot. The Radius new mascot, oh Logan the Penguin, our unofficial mascot, next to the headphones with the microphone in it. But that one has more personality. <laughs> now, Stefan, <laughs> if you could pick one animal to be our mascot, who are you going to advocate for? That is a great question. I've thought about this um, for a great deal of time. Um, and hear me out here. I think our best bet is a condor. Oh, a condor. Wait, what does a condor look like? One <laughs> yeah. Let me look this up. Yeah, tell me about a condor, Stefan. <laughs> so condors, they may, they may look scary. They may act scary. But deep down, they're only kind of scary. <laughs> now, a condor... Are they a bird of prey? That, they're, they're like a vulture, just like a step down. Joe is actually googling a, a step, it. A step yeah, down yeah. from a vulture. Why it's, don't we? It's want... like a Walmart vulture. We don't want to. We don't want to like threaten anyone. We just want to intimidate them. I mean, kind of, you Walmart vultures. It kind, of, <laughs> kind of just looks like a off-brand hawk. I don't like it. Yeah, it looks like a flamingo and like a hawk uh, came together. Oh, geez, look at that. You guys see that? Oh, wow. It, 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 like, kind of has a mane. No, oh, my it, God. Oh, come on. It looks <laughs> like it had a bad hair there. Yeah, no, it looks like it looks like it shaved off its head, but it left the rest of its body with hair on it. I don't like it. I don't agree with you, Stefan. I, I think it has a lot of personality. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I respect it, Stefan, but we'll keep workshopping this idea. Wonderful, wonderful. Anyway, you've heard enough from us. Coming up, we hear from our reporters who were on the scene at the recent Boston's Women's March. Then, my co-editor Nikki Fain and I will be talking about our editorial, which focuses on the recent news that the United States is now a dangerous country for journalists. Finally, we'll be hearing about Kylie Lorenzen, the women's basketball player who's about to break Southern New Hampshire University's all-time record for points scored, despite difficulties she hasn't let stand in her way. But first, let's hear from the SNU community in a segment we call What's SNU With You? My name is Nathan Grimm, and my goal is to just survive this semester and get through all my classes. My name is Megan, and one of my goals is to better balance my work life and my school My life. name is Chris, and my goal is to only eat one Oreo a day. My name is DJ, and uh, one goal I have for the semester is to drink more water. So my name is Michelle, and my goal is to make more lunches this year so I don't spend all my money at the dining hall. Hi, my name is Sarah Sylvester, and one of my goals this year is to raise awareness on race and gender and mental health issues. Perfect. Hi, my name is Jimmy, and my goal for 2019 is to take more risks. My name is Emmanuel Audu, and my goal this semester is to help the freshmen, you know, transition into the Southern New Hampshire University and then make them a better human. Hi, my name is Matt Driscoll, and my goal for the semester is to complete my master's degrees. On January 19th, hundreds of people took to Boston Common, braving the bitter cold in order to take part in the third annual Women's March. Three years ago, the Women's March came together as a movement in response to the presidential election as the Women's March on Washington. Uh, three years later, it's... Three years later, it's become a national event. The Pemmin Press, the Deborah L. Coffin Women's Center, and several members of the SNHU community attended the event. And I'm joined with my co-editor-in-chief and representative of the Women's Center, Nikki Fain, and our staff writer, Alexa Gustafson, who were in attendance at the event. 
Hi, guys. Thanks for joining me. Hi. Hi. So tell me, what were your thoughts on the event? Um, honestly, it was freezing cold. Uh, that was the first thing you noticed and felt immediately, but... We were just so busy covering it for press and running around. It felt really electrifying and alive, like truly something that was living. Yeah, agreed. I also was freezing, but I think it being so cold also made a really big statement in how many people still showed up and were willing to stand in that cold to uh, show their support for the Women's March and its cause. I thought the event was great. I personally took a lot away from it. I got very filled up um, listening to Ayanna Presley's speech, um, just really believing in what she was saying. But I had a great time at the event. It was something I've wanted to be a part of, so it was really cool to be able to cover it as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you even got a chance to talk to Ayanna Presley, didn't you? I did. That was crazy. I actually <laughs> chased her <laughs> um, down the road. And just kind of started screaming at her when we made eye contact. And she was so kind. Um, and so I got a direct quote from her. And then we got in contact with her head of communications team. And we ended up getting an email interview with her, which was pretty incredible and very gracious of the both of them to take their time to do that for us. Absolutely. And congrats on that. Thank you. <laughs> for the listeners at home, they... They set up this big stage in Boston Common, and they had a big variety of of guest speakers to all bring attention to different issues to kind of include everybody in the event. Could you tell me a little bit about some of the other speakers? I think immediately one of the first things I noticed that was happening on stage was that there was an American Sign Language translator, which I thought was super awesome. One of the other people that really, one of the other speakers that really stood out to me were the representatives from the United American Indians of New England. They talked a lot about current land rights that are still impacting them today that we hear a lot about in history class, but we know are still an issue. We just aren't as exposed to them as we are to other issues currently. Yeah, I think something that that the event was also very conscious of is while the Women's March is this big national movement, the Boston Women's March is an independent thing. There was, in the media, a bit of a backlash against the organization as one of the organizers was making some anti-Semitic comments. Did you guys feel like any of that negativity kind of pervaded into the event? Um, personally, it wasn't... I felt that... Personally, I thought there was a really like positive vibe and atmosphere at the de- throughout the day. There was obviously those there were protesters that showed up who seemed to be focusing on the anti-Semitic comments that were made and protesting the march and saying that they were a part of that we were supporting that, which um, that was not the case at all. The Boston's Women's March is um, organized by March Forward Massachusetts, which has no affiliation with the Women's March organization. So I personally didn't feel like it was something that like affected the day. But I know that the people who did organize the day, it definitely impacted them as they said they were asked numerous times over and over again by press how they uh, managed to separate themselves from that. Yeah, and what was really impactful to me was a lot of organizations have these espoused values, values that they say they stand for, 
but you have to really look at the culture and see if they're really uplifting that. And I saw that a bit. I mean, looking at who they brought as their keynote, Ayanna Presley, a woman of color, looking at the organizations they brought, every representatives from Native Americans to LGBT to the town itself, looking at and meeting and talking to the organizers and learning about their backgrounds. Everyone that we met that day was just so diverse. It really showed, it really honored the event. Everyone was really kind too. Everyone was very willing to speak to us about the event, which I thought was very, um, yeah. Even good. the protesters, honestly, were super mm-hmm. kind to me when I went up to interview, um, the head of their organization, Resist Marxism. And I mean, I'm walking in there with feminism pins on my hat without thinking. And we had a good conversation, honestly. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> So why was it important to the both of you guys to be there? Oof. Heavy question. Yeah. Um, it was important to me just from my own personal beliefs. I, as a woman, am incredibly impacted by a lot of the things that are said and the idea of any person, especially especially a man, trying to tell me what I can do with my body um, <laughs> disgusts me. And so it was important for me to be a part of this voice that is so incredibly impactful right now. And then also as a white woman, I think it's important to be supportive of different minority groups and show that we're standing with them. Um, So that for me personally is why I wanted to be there. Yeah, um, for me, I grew up, my family is mostly made up of women. My immediate family, I was raised by my single mother my whole life, and I have my older sister and then my grandmother. It's just been her since I was six years old as well. And then my two aunts, including one who is LGBT. So all of that combined, plus with my own experience, my own experiences with sexual assault and being a survivor made it incredibly important to me to be there as a representative to say no more. Yeah, and I think that's that's a theme that kind of carried through a lot of the event because as a guy, something that I noticed was, like, there were a lot of other guys there. Like, I feel like like a huge part of who I am is because of the strong women that are in my life. And I'm, it's really nice to see there are a lot of young guys who also recognize that and want to be there to support. I do think, though, that the march, I think it would be really cool and interesting if in future um, marches in the upcoming years, if they actually had a man be a speaker. Yeah. I think that would be really cool just to show that support as well and have it be um, publicized as opposed to just, you know, men being as marchers. I think it'd be really cool to have a male speaker. Yeah. Nikki, as a representative of the Women's Center, what do you feel like you took away from the march that you feel is important for college students to know? I mean, the incredible thing about the Women's Center on this campus is the energy in the Women's Center. Our whole staff really, truly believe in our mission, and the march itself just fuels that energy, just refocuses us into really wanting to bring a little piece of the march to everyone at the Women's Center and in this new community. Did you guys feel like the march is for is for you guys? Do you feel like it's for your age, 
for you as college people? Looking back on what other student publications I did was very eye-opening and rewarding to understand what this march means for young people. And I definitely think there is a place for it for college-age students there. I think the issues that the Women's March is addressing at any level is going to pertain to the future. And we are that future. So, of course, it matters to us. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. I think, like Nikki said, we whether we like it or not are getting older, and this is going to be our responsibility. Um, so I think it's really important for us to be involved, as, as involved as we can. Um, but I thought it was really cool to also see the wide range of ages that were there, too. There was, you know, little girls there with their moms, and then I saw a woman, like, in her wheelchair, being pushed by possibly her granddaughter or something. Um, but I do definitely think that this is something for college students. Yeah, I think actually I was surprised by how many older people I saw there, mm-hmm. like people who were marching in the 60s. I mm-hmm. got to interview and talk to some of this group. They said they were from an organization and that they've been marching since 1968 and that one of the guys actually in the march had his head crushed during one of the marches and he was still there. Yeah, it was insane. <laughs> That's kind of inspiring too in a way. Right. <laughs> So, do you guys see yourselves going next year? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Sam. Well, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, you're already halfway through. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast so far, and I really hope you're enjoying what's new. Now, since I like you, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. We're doing a little contest right now. Now, if you fill out a survey that we're doing, you'll be entered to win a $15 Amazon gift card. Now, you're only eligible for this contest if you're an SNHU student, faculty, or staff. Now, if you go to bit.ly slash snoopod, again, that's bit.ly slash s-n-h-u-p-o-d, and fill out the survey, put your s-n-h-u email, you'll be entered to win. While you're at it, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Penman Press, and be sure to check out our website, penmanpress.com. While you're at it, head on over to radio.snhu.edu to check out our friends Radio Snoo. All right, see ya. Why in the world would anyone want to be a journalist? In a recent article published by NBC News, the organization Reporters Without Borders compared the number of journalists worldwide who were detained in 2017 to 2018. The number jumped from 326 to 348 individuals. The United States recently made its way under Reporters Without Borders list of most dangerous countries for reporters, earning a spot in the top five for the first time ever. At least 63 professional journalists were killed doing their jobs in 2018, said NBC News. 
Reporters were killed on the job in only three countries on Reporters Without Borders list. The U.S. is one after the horrifying events that took place in Annapolis, Maryland at the Capitol Gazette. That summer, we gathered around the TVs and flocked to social media, and we gleaned one important thing. The reporters on the Gazette probably got their start as nosy kids just like us. Most of us on the Pim and Press found journalistic passion by wanting to be in the room where it happens, by wanting to know more. What we know as media today is noisy. For every journalist out there being the watchdog, it can feel like there are a dozen more fulfilling an agenda. Some journalists take their role to be an advocate. As Melanie Plenda from the Granite State News Collaborative stated, advocacy is not a journalist's job. Their job is to present information and ask questions the public needs to know. Then, let the public decide. Journalists are a service to the public. Carol Robideau, founder of the local online publication Manchester Inklink, sees a future of news activists. She says, If we can get the public to trust individual journalists, future news activists can find their place and voice without fear of being targeted as the enemy. While we've been enticed by the power of knowledge, we've stayed because we value truth. We've stayed because people need a platform without fear of being censored or harassed. Social media has made sharing much more efficient, but not more productive. Our generation, they navigate this digital space with ease. We need to learn how to seamlessly integrate journalism between the web and the real world. Through the school paper, we gain media literacy which is the ability for one to process and critically think within the multimedia world we live in. This is our generation's superpower, and this skill is ever more important. With a growing roster of over 50 members, the Penman Press often questions what it is that keeps our journalists dedicated to our newspaper. It's curious they even got here to begin with in a school without a traditional journalism program. But upon further inspection, the reason becomes as simple as their desire to share this new story, to inform the public of things that may brew behind closed doors. They bring their diverse backgrounds together to see the full picture and tell it in ways that are important to them, through writing, video, social media, and even this podcast you're listening to right now. It's all in the spirit of community engagement. We are storytellers and truth seekers, information gatherers and disseminators, said Robido. Because they are here, there's hope. Kylie Lorenzen of the women's basketball team is currently on track to break the record for points scored and rebounds. I'm here with Catherine Lachance. And Madison Alexander, who recently had an opportunity to speak with Kylie Lorenzen. Catherine, Madison, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Nick. Can you talk a little bit about specifically this record that Kylie is set to break? So Kylie Lorenzen it currently has 1,583 points under her belt throughout her career as a penman. The record was set by Julie Dabrowski in the 1980s. 
she has compiled 1,713 points. Therefore, Kylie is only 130 points away from breaking the school record. In terms of rebounds, Trisha Johnson holds the record uh, at 918 from uh, 1981 through 1985. Um, and Kylie has 832 rebounds with 86 to go. So what do you guys think? Do you think she's going to do it? Absolutely. 100%. I think that she is more than capable of breaking the school record. She has shown on and off the court that she is an incredible player. She racks up at least 15 points per game. And I think that if she keeps going at the track that she's going on now, there's no doubt in my mind that she'll be able to do it. She has full-on determination and she is a team player, which is important above all. Uh, because she she credits a lot of success to her team and she's very down to earth. And um, I, I definitely think that she will be able to break both records, if not way higher than what they are now. Plus, there's still 10 more games in the season to go. So like I said, if she keeps up on this trend of posting 10 to 15 points per game, she will definitely pass the school record. Now, you guys recently had an opportunity to speak with Kylie. Is that correct? Yes. How is she feeling? She doesn't really pay too much attention to the points that she has, which is incredible because uh, she she just kind of focuses in uh, play by play, as she uh, told us in the interview. Um, she is focused on her playing style, her teammates playing style. And um, yeah. So I understand that Kylie has a pretty incredible story, doesn't she? She actually has a fantastic, very inspirational story, Nick. Thank you so much for bringing that up. So Kylie was actually born blind in her left eye. She was born with the blindness, but she didn't realize she was blind until she was in first grade. She had to wear an eye patch. She had dilation issues and she wore protection throughout her basketball and soccer career because she also played soccer growing up. One of the things that really stuck out to me during our interview was that she said that a lot of people say that her blindness is a disability and how that she has to overcome it, but it's something that she's always had. And one thing that is really inspirational to me is that she never tries to make any excuse for her blindness. It's just part of who she is. It doesn't stop her on the basketball court. She just keeps going. She keeps plugging along. and. I think that that is really inspirational to not only basketball players, but to other athletes as well. She is. She's one of the most humble people I have ever met. She, even though she is a star player and she's about to break the school record, she remains humble and she actually credits her teammates for a lot of her success. I think so. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I think that that definitely comes into play. Uh, she found out that she passed uh, 1,500 points by her friends texting her, actually. So she really does not keep track of her points, which I, again, think is amazing. Um, and especially just the fact that she credits her team this much because uh, she told us she is a team player. She's not going to be the person taking three-point shots just standing there. Um, she gets her points off of assists and rebounds and among other things. So, um, yeah, she amazing, very down to earth about that sort of thing. Sounds like she's got some pretty good friends, too. huh? Yeah. Yeah. Their their team is like a family, she told us. Um, and uh, coming in, she said they didn't necessarily have the best record, 
but uh, the freshmen that keep coming in and adding to this family, they change the atmosphere. And um, I think that's really cool that she kind of takes them under her wing a little bit, as as well as uh, how she was taken under uh, the seniors wing when she was a freshman. So how is the team doing overall this season? Overall, the team is doing really well this season. They currently have 11 to 7 record overall, and they also have a 5 to 6 conference record. They actually had one of the best starts to their season in program history. They won six out of their first seven games and are currently on track to earning a spot in the Northeast 10 playoffs. One thing that's coming up that I would like to highlight is Pink Day, which will take place on February 9th. And going back to Kylie, Pink Day is an event that means a lot to her as one of her family members was actually diagnosed with breast cancer. So it's going to be a really fun event. There's going to be a lot of on-campus clubs there donating their time to help this wonderful cause. All the players will be wearing pink in honor of those affected by breast cancer. And did Kylie highlight any goals that she has for the season and beyond? Absolutely. So as a career goal, uh, Kylie would like to play basketball overseas in Europe, uh, get paid to play and travel. Uh, And that kind of happens after the season. Um, And she says it's always been a dream of hers. Uh, She regrets not trying to do that. And um, I think it's interesting uh, because she actually speaks fluent French and um, she would love to play there. So uh, that's cool. Um, Very cool. Yeah, definitely. And uh, for the season, uh, she basically said she wants to make tournaments, keep winning games and just have a memorable season that they can look back on and not regret anything. Great. And um, I think I speak for the for all of us here at the Pem Press when I say we're all wishing Kylie the best of luck for the rest of the season and as she strives for this incredible goal. Kylie, thank you so much for meeting with um, myself and Catherine. It has been an honor to uh, see your growth throughout the past four years. Um, I'm wishing you luck. We're all rooting for you here. Um, Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'd just like to say thank you so much, Kylie. It was a pleasure getting to speak with you. I loved hearing about your story. You are definitely an inspiration to athletes everywhere. So thank you again, and I wish you the best of luck this season. Don't forget to stop by the Stansboro Fieldhouse on February 9th for Pink Day when the women's basketball team takes on Stonehill. Thank you. And that's all we got for you on this episode. Thank you again so much for listening to this first episode. Be sure to check out the survey again, bit.ly slash SNHU pod for that $15 Amazon gift card. As you're headed out, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice. This is on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and you can even find it on your Amazon Alexa. This episode of What's New was produced by Nick Klotz and Joe Litradello. It was edited by Nick Klotz and Sam Aguilar Hernandez. What's New is made possible thanks to funding by the Southern New Hampshire University Student Government Association. Keep your eyes peeled for the next episode, coming out February 20th. Bye!